It's pretty safe to say that anxiety is a way of life for caregivers. Today, I want to unpack three levels of anxiety, give you a more evolved way of viewing your anxiety, and to remind you that there are tools to help you live a more balanced and peaceful life. I'm Vic, and this is Forgive and Forgets podcast. Exploring anxiety has turned out to be one of those things like boundaries, like the last podcast, where you can learn what you believe about yourself. What I mean by this is anxiety causes an internal dialogue that creates your current moment right here, right now. And it's also creating the rest of your day. I'll get more into this a bit later. First, I want to take a closer look at anxiety and its different levels. So let's get started. The first is mild anxiety. Now, this is anxiety that is an inconvenience. It can be resolved quickly and then dismissed. For example, um, uh, (laughs) this happened this morning. (laughs) I was putting my pup's breakfast down, not focusing as well as I should, moving too fast, and I clipped the dog bowl on the corner of the counter, which tipped the bowl and dumped the food all over the floor. Oh my gosh, you should have seen Frank's face. He looked at me like, Mom, that was my breakfast, you genius. Um, And their meals are not just kibble. I cook oats and rice. I cook up some kind of protein. They get their vitamins and meds, and then they get a salmon and sweet potato kibble. It's a good meal that went all over the floor. I cleaned it up, started over, and that was that. That is mild anxiety, something that is considered an inconvenience or troublesome It can be rectified and then dismissed. The next is normal anxiety. This is when your thoughts or reaction to something escalate to an intense level, but this startled feeling of sudden distress does pass. An example of this can be having a close call in a parking lot or on the freeway or witnessing um, a very heated, scary argument. Or, in my case, seeing a bear on your porch looking for a way in. Yes, that happens to me quite a bit, actually. They're not grizzlies, and my dogs pretty much explode in territorial barking, and then the bears just scoot off. So, normal anxiety is when your thoughts or reaction to something escalates quickly to a very intense level, but then this startled feeling does pass. Extreme anxiety is anxiety that has the potential of becoming a phobia or neurosis. This is anxiety that won't let up. It's fed constantly by worry, fears, and sometimes even anger. This looks like road rage, an angry driver that won't let up on its prey, a hypochondriac, someone who incessantly does their own medical research and believes they have every disease, every ailment or illness known to mankind. Panic attacks are extreme anxiety, like the fear of flying, fear of being alone, 
being a caregiver on any level. Even though these examples make perfect sense as to why they merit extreme anxiety, they have the potential of becoming a phobia or a neurosis. The way to identify extreme anxiety, if it isn't obvious, is if it is interfering with your relationships, your sleep, your work, other parts of your life, if you're turning to alcohol or drugs too often, or your anxiety is reaching a level of depression, isolation, or even suicidal thoughts. These are the warning signs, the symptoms that anxiety is becoming a dangerous problem. Several times a day, we caregivers experience left field behaviors from our loved one, some that are even uh, dangerous. Where you have, where I have, little time to recover before the next event happens. After we manage one calamity, another pops up. It's like a game of whack-a-mole, always on alert, always waiting for the next event. This anxiety piggybacks on the anxiety we already have. So visually, can you see what this looks like at the end of the day, how weighed down we are, or at the end of the week? or month, or year, if we don't do something to relieve this kind of anxiety. Another form of extreme anxiety is the anger and resentment that we carry around because of our jobs as caregivers. Now, this can look like uh, anger and resentment towards friends and family for judging how you care for your loved one. I certainly was judged uh, for how I cared for mom. Everybody had better ideas. Yet were they around to help? No. I remember losing a job, because actually twice, because mom's dementia behaviors of getting lost or not showing up for appointments or falling down or having an accident had me putting those fires out and not getting my work done. What really bothered me was my sister's judgment of my work life or losing work, my income struggle, while she and her family were not helpful. Their judgment wasn't helpful, and they weren't helpful. took me a long time to get over that one. This is anxiety that is fueled by anger and resentment, anxiety that won't let up because I fed it every chance I got. And it's the kind of anxiety that dupes me into thinking that if I, if I think about it long enough and hard enough, obsess about it, an answer or resolution would miraculously appear and fix everything. The truth is, what I learned is, the more I invested in thinking about it, the tighter anxiety's seatbelt stiffened. I felt even more strapped in. And this is when this kind of anxiety feels like an obsession even an addiction. So what can be done to diffuse this kind of extreme anxiety? I did write. I did seek counseling to talk about it. Man, I learned a lot from writing and counseling. Here's the thing with writing. When you bravely put pen to paper, it slows time down so your heart can open up. But mainly, it slows time down. It can diffuse your anxiousness at least to a place where you can breathe, 
think things through, and even understand more about yourself. I can hear you say that you absolutely do not have the time to write, and I get that. I really get that. And it is both the actual time that you don't have as much as not having the mental capacity, the mental patience to have the clarity to even write. I've been there too, but bear with me here. First, I am not talking about writing for two hours or even a half hour, although wouldn't that be a luxury? I'm just, I'm talking about writing for five to 15 minutes twice a week. That's it. What this does is allow you to focus on the problem in a way that puts things in order. The interesting thing that I found when I was researching about anxiety and about writing is that your brain is wired to immediately uh, problem solve, immediately. And not only problem solve, but solve it in a way that makes sense to you. Another reasonable benefit It gives your anxiety a place to go. Now, I will not say that your problems are left on paper. What I will say is it is a place of sacred relief and release. This is a time that you can be a thousand percent honest with yourself. Here you can identify your vulnerabilities privately. Conscious writing allows you to explore your private pains before sharing them with a trusted friend or a counselor. It's also a way to log and see patterns. And if they aren't serving you any longer, at least you can see it, and then you can choose to change it. When you write, you can review your anxiety and use it as a gateway to self-discovery. This is what I was talking about almost right out of the gate of this podcast. Before we explore this, I have five easy steps to help you get started writing. These are in alignment with self-discovery. So let's keep going and unpack this a little bit more. Okay, hang in there with me. I'm going to go over five easy steps to make writing doable. First, Set a time limit of 5 to 15 minutes twice a week. That's it. Start small, and in time, I'm sure your journaling will become either a regular practice or a regular practice maybe three days a week. Secondly, choose one thing in your life right now that has you anxious or worried. I know you have a lot, but just pick one. And write what comes to mind immediately. Even if it doesn't feel right or feels like a total mistake, you are being led to uncover what is bothering you more than you think. Number three, list all of the different ways your anxiety is affecting you. For example, is it keeping you from taking care of yourself? Is it affecting your dreams and sleep? Is it causing you to feel empty and unmotivated? Write it down. Number four, ask yourself, does my anxiety have anything to do with my past or my childhood or my parents? Or is this anxiety caused by someone else or an event? And I know this can be a loaded cannon, especially if it has something to do with your parents. Because if you're caring for a parent with dementia and you have a problem with your parent, this is worth exploring. 
Begin to peel off the layers. Number five, once you've opened up your thought process, can you go deeper? Check in with yourself and ask, what is the underlying problem here? Is this why this has been so challenging to deal with? Two things to do to give more power to your writing is reading your writing out loud. Another technique is to record and then listen to yourself talk about your problems. Even though we don't like hearing the sound of our own voice, I know that. I am including this practice because when I was doing research on this particular podcast, I learned that hearing your own voice is a source of validation, which can have a greater impact on diminishing your anxiety. Lastly, another technique to use while you're writing is separate yourself from your anxiety and write out solutions as if you were helping a friend. What insights or suggestions on coping would you tell a friend? Do I do these things? Do I journal? Do I record my own voice? I do. Journaling isn't a daily practice for me, but I do write and I do record. I use a free app I downloaded on my laptop called Audacity. It's also what I use for podcasting, but you don't need to have a mic or headphones and you don't need to be tech savvy to use it. If you did, I wouldn't be using it. It's super easy to use. Lastly, I said that an evolved way to look at your anxiety is it is here to teach you what you believe about yourself. This can be positive if we talk to ourselves like we would a friend, but I'm pretty hard on myself. And if I'm not careful, I can send myself down the rabbit hole for the rest of the day because of what I'm telling myself. Now, getting a little bit into the foo-foo, There is no better way to work with the universe than to have this kind of clarity when you write. Last podcast, I talked about boundaries and where they came from, and that's a great foundation to have before putting pen to paper because it allows you to take your problem a step further and see why you feel the way you do. Give your emotions a name and help create a story that makes sense to you. When I'm at my rope's end and I have absolutely nothing left, no stamina, no patience, nothing, and I am angry as hell at my circumstance, I do lose it. The foo-foo part of this is I consciously and outwardly excuse myself from the universe and excuse the universe from me to grant myself time to implode, yell, cry, whatever, It's my time out. The universe does listen, but I certainly don't want the universe listening when I'm losing it. So I don't want it getting confused with such powerful emotions like fear and anger. I literally say, okay, time out. And then when I'm done, I say, okay, I'm back. One of my favorite mentors is Louise Hay. And she suggests using the words, I am, or thank you for, rather than I want. Using the present tense clarifies to the universe that you understand that you're worthy of what you want. For example, using today's podcast, you can say something like, thank you for ideas to help me with my anxiety. 
or ask for help. I do. Oh man, do I ever every day. My dialogue is help me with my grief when I visit mom today. Thank you for your help. And my experience is when I visit, I'm in this sort of spiritual anesthesia. I'm calm. I'm not so heartbroken or grief-stricken that I miss the experience of my time with mom. On another foo-foo level, in my opinion, you listening to this podcast right now is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. And it's an example of how the universe works. Maybe you needed to find this podcast today on learning the different levels of anxiety and where you fall into that and how to release it. When you write and remember that the universe supports what you believe about yourself, you're going to write and be more gentle with your self-talk. It's easy to get caught up with our not quite hitting the mark, or in my case, full-on failure at caring for mom. It's easy to talk to myself negatively, but that isn't useful, and I wouldn't ever talk to anybody else that way. Writing is an opportunity for self-compassion, and this practice of journaling five to 15 minutes twice a week is one of the highest forms of self-care. It's also an amazing opportunity to get to know yourself, a chance to clean out your drawer of anxiety, throw away what you don't need or want, toss what doesn't serve you anymore. I did eventually move away from anger and resentment towards those who were opinionated and judgmental. I did begin to treat and speak to myself like I would a friend. When we practice these things, our world shifts. I promise you, it shifts. It did for me, and so what that it took me years to learn it? Hey, it takes as long as it takes, right? Remember that? Ask for help. Listen and write. Open up to receive the lessons and trust that it is for your highest good and your highest joy. Thanks for listening today. Take care of yourselves and I will walk with you again soon. Bye-bye.